You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast, bringing you the best heat media guests every single week. Here's your host, Dan Healy, brought to you by at the Miami Heat UK social media network. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I am your host, Dan Healy. Before we come to today's episode, please everybody check out the YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV. Uh, Lots of stuff going on there this year. We are hoping to produce daily content on there starting from next month onwards. So lots coming, lots of new things, lots of new guests coming on, podcast episodes going on there, new shows going Everything is going to be going through that. So that will be the hub of what we do. So that is Miami Heat UK TV on YouTube. Please do us a favor. Go over there and hit that subscribe button. On to today's episode. And I'm delighted to be joined from Miami Heat Beat. It's Mr. Kenny Spence. Kenny, how are you, sir? What's going on, man? This is my first non-Heat Beat appearance ever. So I'm pretty excited about that, man. What's going on? How are you doing? I'm I'm really good, and I really appreciate you for joining me. And it's uh, yeah, always uh, one of my favourite. I mean, you know, Miami Heat beat are a market leader in my opinion. I think they're fantastic. But you know, you guys over there, um, but you especially, always have me rolling, always have me uh, laughing. It's it's great content. So it's great to have you on as my guest over here, and I appreciate you giving up your time on your Sunday as well. Thank you very much. Oh yeah, man, I appreciate being here. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, let's start, of course, with the big breaking news. Literally just minutes ago, this is really good timing. We have just heard from Udonis Haslam that he will be returning for year 20 with the Miami Heat. For me, that's big. I love UD. Everybody loves UD, but I'm delighted to have him back. Um, we'll get into mm-hmm. the couple of quotes. He's saying that he will start what we finished what he started, and that is to do his 20th season. He's doing one more year for his late father. Mm-hmm. Um, your initial thoughts on uh, UD returning next year, Kenny? I think, so, this is one of the more polarizing conversations around, I guess, Heat fans for whatever reason, which I get he's not necessarily playing as much, but I think he's more than earned this. He's he's never even entertained another team. He's taken pay cut after pay cut when he was playing, and so that's what it's for. So they're paying him back, and I think what happens now is this inspires guys to come to the Heat. I think what happens is people want these whales, but you have to understand that they have to treat the players they have well, and UD is the biggest example of that. They're um, forever grateful to him. So him coming back is important. Um, all the players love him being there. All the coaches love him being there, and so I don't have an issue with it. It's the last father spot anyway. It's not. Come on. Well, th- this is the thing. See, this is the sort of main criticism that you hear from the other side, for the people that don't want him, is that he's taking up a roster spot. He could be doing this anyway in a coaching role. But, you know, th- you're not going to get... I don't really know what the produ- people feel like the production is going to be from any 15th man off the bench. What, what are they? Th- I, don't, I don't get it. And if people... There was a couple of people that were saying, you know, uh, we could go out and get somebody in a in a starting four position. He's going to take up the position of somebody that could be more useful in a playing capacity. But we'll do that anyway. It doesn't matter. It, yeah. whether, whether a superstar trade goes down, we could move three or four players on from that trade. Even if that doesn't happen, you know, you can wave a player to you know one of the G leaguers or the two ways and, and still mm-hmm. get this done anyway. So there's there's no difference in this in in whether this happened or not. Um, it made clear in the fact that on the first day of free agency, the Miami Heat sent an entourage over to UD to try and get him mm-hmm. to sign for year 20. So that shows you, doesn't it, the importance of this man in yeah. this team. So it's the importance. And I think if there's any organization who can afford to have 
a UD there every year, it is the Heat. Because while he's on the roster not playing, they've they've gotten Gabe and developed him into a playoff contributor. Same with Max Drew. Same with Duncan Robinson. Countless player after countless player year after year, they're able to take these G League guys and guys from Sioux Falls and turn them into real players. And so I think they can afford to have someone on the bench like UD. I think what happens, you may get spoiled by that and think, and get greedy and say they can go grab another guy from the G League and bring him on and turn him into something. But I don't think it's really necessary. I think the role UD plays is a lot more important than what a lot of fans can really see. Yeah, 100%. And this will be his last year. He said that this is definitely year mm-hmm. 20 and that's him done. Do you then see, just initially, do you think then he will then still be in the same sort of role, but on a coaching capacity? Or do you think he'll maybe just take a step back? I don't think coaching. I think he be, he may be more of a consultant. I think yeah. that travel is rigorous. I don't think he will retire and still go right into that same being in a different city every night and all that stuff. And he said he doesn't want to coach. And so I think yeah. he'll be more of a consultant where they can just call him. He'll go to the practices when he wants to, have time for his businesses. We know UD owns a ton of franchises in South Florida. And so I think he'll be more of a consultant than a coach, but he'll definitely be an organization. Oh, 100%. Yeah, he'll be all over the place uh, continually. Um, a complete ambassador for the team, for the city. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, delighted. Delighted to have UD back for year 20. Um, let's get on to uh, the issue that really kicked off this chat. Um, in, and that was that um, you tweeted out, ironically, your starting five. And it really, it was just a weird moment for me because I had been out in my car all day that day with work and my wine, my mind wandered and I started thinking about starting fives. And your starting five was exactly the same as after rigorous faults. What my starting five was, let's just remind people what that was. It was uh, Cole Lowry, Tyler Harrow, Max Struess, Jimmy Butler at four, mm-hmm. and Bam at a bayou. Yeah. Um, I... As I said, that that hits in every sense for me. I think that that's a really good balance. I think there's a great sort of blend there of defense and shooting and spacing, and it's adaptable, it's versatile, and it can be mixed up as well for occasionally uh, as well. But what did you come? What what was your thoughts behind coming to that starting five as how you would start the season? And so, because I'm just looking at the Kevin Durant stuff, and like from the beginning, and I said on Heat Beat, Kevin Durant is too good of a player to demand a trade and just get traded. So, like, there's no pack that's going to make sense. So I think it's great for the Heat to go after him, but realistically, I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm looking at the current roster, and I think what happens is there's this hole at the four everyone's concerned about, but then I could take a step back, dig a little deeper, and I'm just like, wait, Jimmy played a lot of four, especially in the playoffs, and did a great job at it. And I think with the Heat not having this urgency, because with KD being unrealistic, they could – there are pretty solid – I guess backup fours, quote unquote, in free agency. They could go after a Blake, who I don't necessarily want. Melo's still available. They have guys they can get, but they're not panicking, which makes me believe they have something either planned already or something they expect. And so I looked at the roster. I looked at the fact Jimmy played a lot of four. I think if that's where the hole is, you just move Jimmy up, that solves that. And then the three positions is a lot more easier to manage. With Max playing a lot of three last year, you can have Caleb playing either position depending on what they're going with. And the people's main concern with Jimmy playing the four is the physicality. But when you look around the league, there's I think we, when we say power four, we still think the Tim Duncans, the Kevin Garnetts, and all those like pure power fours. But that's not necessarily what the league is anymore. Now, yeah. let's say Jimmy's playing a four. He's going to be matched up with a Kyle Kuzma. It may be a P.J. Tucker. It may be a Jay Crowder. Um, these smaller, more 
physical guys, which is kind of Jimmy's game anyway. And so I think that's exactly where he's going to fit. And then just surround him and Bam with shooters. Yeah, that, definitely. And I think that that's the right way. That was the one thing, the question mark I had here on the only thing that maybe you could see as maybe a down point to that starting five is it's quite small. And you just answered mm-hmm. that quite well. And the fact that the size maybe isn't such a problem now in the modern NBA because everybody right. seems to go with more sort of like more modern quicker and be able to move their feet a bit more smaller um, size for so yeah I think that that works well as I said it's got a bit of adaptability as well I think that we can maybe see Caleb go in there you could move Duncan into the into the three um, and and maybe move Max even to to the four you could there's opportunities there where you could have Bam and Yurt in together so there's got Mm -hmm. there's got a a lot of different opportunities here do you see um, do you think that even though we agree do you think that this is the way Spo will go? Do you think that maybe that will be? Or do you think that it's more reported that we're hearing maybe that it'll be Caleb that will get the starting role at the power forward? I think at the four, they may start. Mm, that's tough because Caleb is also very capable for all the same reasons. Um, and when we talk about losing PJ, I think Caleb adds a lot more dynamics. He's able to hit a decent amount of threes from, from above the break. and He's able to attack closeouts. And so there's more opportunity there. But... I think the main reason we may see um, Max in there because he was just so productive. Yeah, he's so consistent now, especially with with the defense as well, with the growth he made there. And so I can see it being Max at the three, and then Jimmy at the four. And Tyler, I think for sure has to start with him. Either next season he's going to be a restricted free agent, so I think they're either going to decide what they want to pay him or whatever the case is. They need to see him in the starting role, so I think he may start out starting. I totally agree. I think that that's the natural progression. I think even though his role was fantastic last year, he absolutely mm-hmm. swept the table with the six man of the year awards. Um, but I think that next season has to be as progression. You need to see him starting and seeing what he can yeah. do. Especially now with Victor Oladipo back, he can take that role. I think that's quite a seamless fit mm-hmm. as he maybe now become the sixth man off the bench. Um, just touching on Tyler Harrow then quickly. Yes, he's a restricted yeah. agent this season. I think everything depends on what happens trade-wise um, yeah. before obviously anything gets uh, gets worked out towards numbers and the new contract. But if it is going to be that him staying, um, the uh, you know the, the rumours are that he's going to be looking to seek a rookie extension, max extension. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that that's going to be that? Or do you think that he will look for something around maybe the early 20s? Um, it may be a little less, but I also think that's why he's not necessarily in a rush to sign the extension because I think Tyler fully believes he can play himself into that max if the Heat don't feel like he's there yet. And so I wouldn't be too concerned about that right now. I think um, they may not offer to him. At the same time, I think a lot of people kind of forgot just how good Tyler was this past season because the playoffs he kind of struggled and he got hurt and was never able to break that slump. But I don't think the Heat will mind pay him, paying him as much as the fans don't want him to get paid. I think he's going to get a lot more than people want him to get, which I'm totally for. I don't care what guys get paid as long as, they, as long as they're productive. Yeah, definitely. And you're right, because fans are very quick to forget um, how good players are and have been. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. I suppose that does always resonate too when it comes to crunch time and the playoffs, um, that, you know, that they fail to show up. But 
throughout the season. And we do know that he was injured, obviously, during that playoff run. But during the season, mm -hmm. he was phenomenal. He was he was our most productive player off the bench. He was yeah. uh, knocking on top scorer um, per game every single, all the way through that season. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but when, when you then look at, and I don't want to go into too much details about KD and Mitchell trades because, yeah. you know, the, the Heat the podcasting sphere has covered it to death for the last <laughs> month to six weeks. But when you see... People saying, for example, like a Donovan Mitchell trade, well, it will be headlined by Tyler Harrow and then whatever picks you could accumulate. I mean, would mm -hmm. that be worth it, Tyler Harrow, and say four picks that we could get for Donovan Mitchell? Would you, you know? No. And I saw a report today that the Knicks asked, um, no, that the Jazz asked the Knicks for seven picks and players. Yeah. And so I think the, you, the Heat don't have that, first of all. But I just... I get people's fascination with Donovan Mitchell because he's an explosive player and he has these big games, but I watch a lot of NBA outside of the heat. And I think what happens is you probably run into the same problems people have with Tyler. He's actually a worse defender than Tyler, which, which wow. <laughs> but it's just um, a lot of, a lot of inconsistency, a lot of horrible games from the field. And under this heat structure, I don't know if he would have the same production people think he would. I think if you're going, if you're saying one for one, yes, I'll trade Tyler Hero for Donovan Mitchell. Sure, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, but it's just not the case. That's not what the Jazz are asking for. They're asking for any team that wants Donovan Mitchell. The Jazz wants that team's future as well as current players who can kind of win now and all this other stuff. So I personally wouldn't do that deal. Because I don't think Tyler's that far behind Donovan. I know that's been a take people have had, but I don't think Tyler's that far behind Donovan where you have to do that. Yeah, that, that's the exact thing. Look, as you just said there, yeah, of course, if, if you're putting one up against one or the other, yeah, of course, Donovan Mitchell's the better player. He's more rounded, he's more equipped, he's, he can be, mm -hmm. you know, he can take a game over on his own. He is almost a number one option. You know, he's not there yet, but he could become that. Tyler Harrow, I don't think, will ever become that. But, yeah, we're talking about a guy who's still, what, 21, 22 years old? Yeah. He's, he's, bad, he's had one sort of rock. I mean, well, he was, his, his rookie season was exceptional. His second season he got bagged for, but he wasn't even that bad. He, he just wasn't maybe even, didn't yeah, he progress. Wasn't it just didn't maybe progress as much as what people expected. And last year he was fantastic in a new role. So, yeah, if you're asking me, yeah, who's the better player? Of course, we know that's Donovan Mitchell, but he's not that far behind. So there's no way I'll be saying, yeah, Tyler Harrow plus whatever picks we could put together, maybe that up to four of them. I just don't see the value in that. Um, and, and so. And the thing with Donovan, too, is he's never at, even asked for a trade. It's just like teams are asking about him, and the Jazz listen sometimes. But there's really no leverage. There's no way to get over on them because he's never said he wants to leave. And so that's why the Jazz are able to ask for all the things. And even if he did say he wants to leave, he has so many years left on his contract to where it's just not even – the Jazz don't have to flinch. Yeah. And it also doesn't help, as we know, with the fact that the very same team dealt Rudy Gobert for basically five first-round picks, which just skewed the market yeah. massively. Um, yeah. So, yeah, well, I mean, you know, the Mitchell thing, I think he probably will go, but I think it's not going to be the Heat. I think it's probably going to end up being the Knicks, if anybody. But we'll see. Um, just mm -hmm. touching on your uh, takes with KD, uh, first of all, um, your initial take, do, do you think, a do you want him? Because there's people that don't. There's people that saying, I don't want to, you know, gut the team for the superstar at 33 years old who's got a history of making trouble and, and quitting on teams a year in and things like that. And B, probably more resonantly, do you think it will happen? I don't think it will happen. I think that he just don't have what the Nets are asking for. It's a similar situation to where 
the Nets don't have to trade him if they don't want to. He has years left on his contract, so he doesn't have the leverage there. I don't think he even has a, no trade clause. And so he's put – they don't have to budge. And so he's kind of just stuck in a tough situation. Um, do I want him? KD, I'll preface this with, is my favorite player in the NBA. But it's going to take so much to get him at 34 with his recent injury history, um, with him not – and I'm not the – guy like who's bashing guys for being a quote-unquote cancer to the locker room quote-unquote but he's a bit of a wild card and yeah. so i'm not sure how much that works and then the nets are asking for bam and if that's the case it's a absolutely no for me yeah i i agree i think that i, I think the nets aren't going to do any business with us unless bam is on the table and that might yeah. change things and i just don't see that happening i don't see the front office do that if for any reason that a trade and this is really putting this out there because I don't think I actually think there's probably a ten, maybe fifteen percent chance that KD lands in the Heat. Um, if for any reason that does happen, and somehow that means your team is left with Bam and of course Jimmy, you've now got Bam, Jimmy, and KD, and then pretty much nothing else. You might have a Gabe Vincent or something, yeah. or Max Bruce is left, um, and then you're left with whatever the Heat can develop. Do you actually feel like that's a better team against this brutal East? conference you know I, the, the Celtics the Bucks do you think that it makes a difference I don't because what happens is like I said with KD's injury history recently if he goes out Jimmy and Bam are in a much worse situation because they don't have anybody yeah. to lean on and the thing that gets overlooked a lot with these deals and with with Brooklyn asking people to gut their teams for KD is we just saw what KD looks like with a team that's not very deep you gotta remember Kyrie's one of the best offensive players in the world and they yeah. did absolutely nothing in the playoffs. It's pretty easy to scheme against that stuff. Um, when you just have the ball in one spot, you have this great score. And I think with KD, he gets this flag for not leading a team to championship, whatever the case is. But just it's not him. It's not like him not having a hot quote unquote. It's just that style of play, this dominant score. You lean on that player too easily, and teams scheme against it, and now you've kind of trapped yourself into a loss. And so I don't want the Heat to put themselves in that situation. Now, if there's a way to make it work and still have a good supporting cast, of course, Katie's my favorite player, but I just don't really see that adding up that way and happening. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that, that that is the bottom line. I think that, you know, any team that's got Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler and, and Kevin Durant, that's going to be a good team. But then so was yeah. supposedly Kevin Durant, yeah. James Harden and Kyrie Irving. And they probably would have had a better supporting cast than what the Heat would be left with. And yet, yeah. you know, because of because of injuries and availability and all the rest of it and COVID protocols and we know what went down, um, yeah. you know it all went wrong and you could see that going wrong as well for the Heat. So yeah, I don't think it'll happen. I just don't think we've got enough. I think you covered it pretty well, but um, yeah, I just don't think that even if it did and we still managed to get some sort of a team around him, I just think the Celtics and the Bucks especially they're just yeah. better equipped. They go deeper. They're, 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 I just think that it wouldn't actually move the needle. That sounds a bit weird, but I just think that, that it would still maybe be an Eastern Conference right. final. Uh, top out for the heat. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes down. We'll leave that there because, as I said, we have uh, we have everybody has covered those two players to death over the last uh, month or so. Let's just quickly talk about before we come on to the opening schedule, which was in the other big news over the last few days. Just a quick take on your thoughts with with Victor Oladipo because he's been the only sort of player that's mm-hmm. come back to you know. I mean, I, I know we've we've done a little bit of business. We've bought um, uh, Deadman back and so on, but. Fitzroy uh, mm-hmm. is the big re-sign at the moment. Uh, yeah. Obviously, a real up and down season from last year, getting back from injury, coming back, then sort of falling away 
uh, and maybe not, not not even in the rotation. Then coming back into the playoff rotation and being a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he's back for two years. That's big news for the Heat, isn't it? What do you think uh, thoughts on Vic's role next year? So that's another reason I want Tyler to start because Victor coming into his role that Tyler had last year is perfect. I think when you look at even scheme-wise with the starters, they're going to switch a ton and all that. So I know Tyler's going to get hunted on switches, even though there's there's a thousand counters for that, so I'm fine with that. But on the bench unit, Victor Oladipo will be playing with dead men who they're going to drop with. And so in that case, you want to trust you want guards whose screen navigation you trust. I don't necessarily trust Tyler's that much, but if you have Gabe and Oladipo, it's pretty easy to just not be too concerned with the guard breaking free off the pick and roll and getting a shot up or something like that. And so there's that in the offensive end. A lot of times last season, it just looked like they didn't know what to do with Oladipo on offense. He would kind of just stand in the corner. He would pass him. He would try to create his own shot. You guys get in the way. If he gets, if he's on a second unit, he'll have that unit to himself to kind of lead, especially if Max is starting. If it's, if it's less as Gabe, Oladipo, um, Caleb, whoever else, and Deadman, that'll be Oladipo's time to get his buckets, get into rhythm, make plays for others, and all that stuff. And so that's what I'm the most excited about, seeing him kind of in a full realized role rather than this past year where it was kind of like they were trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, um, you know, he's – He's probably as motivated as he's ever been as well. We've seen him tweeting a lot. He's been very active on social media and he is talking a lot about the fact that this is going to be his revenge season. The revenge tour yeah. is calling it. Um, so, yeah, a two-way player to his to his level. If we can see something back to that all-star mm-hmm. caliber with, with, a, with a deeper team, with another year of Caleb and another year of, uh, of um, uh, Gabe Vincent and Max Struess. Mm-hmm. You know, this could be another good team. This could be this could be a team that could go back uh, to the finals again. So I'm really, really pleased to see Vic back. And I think that his role on the bench is going to be a big one for Miami. Uh, let's just pivot over to the opening schedule then, because uh, as I said, mm-hmm. it's the time of year where we get excited about teams on, you know, bits of paper. And we seem to be happy about that because it's some news. <laughs> <laughs> this is the stage of the off-season where we get excited about the, uh, about the schedules. But... Um, a weird one because the Heat have got 10 of the first 14 games at home, which is a good thing, but mm-hmm. they've got some tough games, some tough games. We've got, uh, you know, real sort of, uh, you know, not an easy, not a friendly start here. Let's just quickly go through yeah. the first seven. Um, so Chicago, Celtic, uh, Boston Celtics, then two against the Toronto Raptors. So the first four games at home before a quick trip out West against the Trailblazers, the Warriors and the Kings. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think that, you know, this is the way you'd want it? You want to start with some teams that are around your level that are going to get you up to scratch quickly, that, you know, you're playing against, against it in your in your home arena with your crowd behind you. Is this the way you would want it? Or do you want to see some teams like the Magics and the Pistons to get those Ws up early? So I actually love it because they have to hit the ground running, especially now with these questions at the four and all this stuff. PJ leaving, is this team still, still going to be as good? They kind of have no choice but to hit the ground running. And if not, there's a lot to learn from because they're getting some of the best competition in the NBA. And then once they get into rhythm and all that stuff, then they have the schedule kind of softens and then they get to work through stuff. But I love seeing them play against the tougher teams early on and really get that challenge up front. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that is probably the best thing. Obviously, it can go wrong. It could go ugly. You don't want to get, you know, three or four losses early and then have to go out west. But I don't see that happening. I think the Heat have always been good at home. I think mm-hmm. if we can get off to uh, to a solid start there, you then go out west 
to play, um, you know, the, the Warriors and the Trailblazers and Kings. You need to take a bit of confidence from that run. So hopefully we can come back there with a, with a positive record and get the season off and running. But yeah, I'm pleased with that. 10 or 14 games at home against your sort of yeah. Eastern Conference rivals. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's probably uh, the way you'd want to schedule it. Kenny, before we let you go, there's going to be a little quick fire round here. I've put together a few mm -hmm. questions um, and I want to get your thoughts on them to see what you think here. So here's, right. here's a few for you. You ready for these? Yeah. Okay. One thing you want to see improve from Bam Adebayo? Um, it looks like it's already been improving. I want to see the, the jumper. I think the mid-range was pretty – it got to a point where it was kind of automatic last season, and then he broke his hand. And I think people don't really put those two things together. He came yeah. back. He wasn't really making them anymore, but he had the thing on his hand. I, I, don't, I wouldn't expect him to make those. So every highlight I've seen pretty much this summer has been him taking jumpers, whether it be threes, which I'm not rushing them into, or mid-range. So that's what I want to see. That's going to open a lot of stuff up if he's able to knock those jumpers down again. Yeah, and I'm glad you said about the the, the freeze, and you're not worried about that because I agree. There's too much. Yeah. There's too much made of the three point thing. Of course, we want to see it. We want to see him. There's some sort of respectability be there that it might be. You know, it needs to be guardable. Of course, yeah. you want to see that. But totally to your point there. Yeah, the mid range, which was so automatic. I mean, we were seeing mm -hmm. occasions earlier on last season where the net wasn't even moving. That's how yeah. it was. How on point he was. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, the injury came and he didn't, he sort of lost a bit of confidence with it and he wasn't going down to it. But I think that is spot on. The mid range, the jumper is there. Yeah. That's what you want to see back before we start worrying about the three point thing. We do still need mm -hmm. to see that. Thing. We need, we can't let him go another season where he's not shooting them, but it's not yeah. the priority. The priority is exactly what you said. So I'm glad you said that. Right. Okay, another one. What one player has to do better than last year? What well, one player has to do better than last year? Oh, that's tough because I think I get looked at it like the positive guy, a two positive, quote unquote. But the team was so good, it's just like there's not much negative to say. But who I, do I want to see do better? I would like, to, and this is not a knock on him because I think he's great. But if Gabe can be kind of a consistent threat on offense, that makes him a very scary player. Because I think he's one of the better perimeter defenders in the league already. And he's solid on offense. He'll break out for big games when they need him to, but it's not really what he's looking for. I think if he can come out and he can, let's say, pick and roll, and he's able to get that pull-up three off the pick and roll, or if he's able to attack the basket a little more with, some, with a little more confidence, I think that changes a whole lot, especially for that bench unit. So not a knock on him for the listeners. I'm not knocking Gabe. I love Gabe. But to add that dimension to his game is going to make him a terrifying player to go up against. That's a really good shout again. And yeah, nobody would not Gabe Vincent. Who could? He's just been a phenomenon, you know, yeah. last season. His, his rise was uh, was fantastic and really helped this team out. Um, and yeah, again, that's another good point because, yeah, defensively, he's, he's a hustler. He's, he's bigger than what his size um, sort of suggests. But yeah, if you can add mm -hmm. something offensively, and that's maybe Miami's sort of Achilles heel, is if you said anything, the weakness maybe is on offense. Uh, yeah. yeah, if Gabe can get something together, then yeah, that adds a different dimension. So another great answer. Okay, I've got two more for you. Mm -hmm. um, who will thrive more in their role? Tyler Hero as a starter or Oladipo from the bench? Oladipo from the bench, I will say, because Tyler has to adjust with playing with Jimmy more and kind of figuring out where to get his shots and all that stuff. With Oladipo, he can come in off the bench, and he kind of has the same role he had in Indiana while on the floor as far as like being the guy and getting the shots up for that unit, he would be the guy. And so I think he kind of can revert back to that. Even in Houston, he had some big games. He was sort of the guy down there in a little strange situation. But 
in that role off the bench, he would be that guy in that role. And so I think he'll have a pretty smooth transition, especially with this being this is his first real offseason in three years. Yeah. And so I think with him having that unit to himself, he's gonna thrive a little more. Yeah, and that's not to be understated as well. This is the first time that he's going to be playing, you know, where he's, he's, as you said, as an off-season where he's not hurt, he's not feeling pain for years. So uh, yeah. that's a real uh, sort of understated point. And yeah, I think you're right. I think Tyler Hero, look, he, he's got to show that he's got the capabilities to be a starter, but we're not going to be relying on him to be a key. Right. You know, we've got Jimmy Butler's and Cole Lowry's that are going to be more important to their role than what Tyler Hero's going to be. So as long as we don't see him struggle, because I think when he started... His role was as a starter uh, the year before last. I think he struggled and then he moved to the bench. Um, but yeah. I think as long as we can see some sort of progression and, and Vic can do his role, I think that, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Vic is going to be the more important piece uh, to thrive next year in that role. Uh, one yeah. more, and this is going to be more of a uh, sort of NBA-wide one, and it's quite an open one. Yeah. Who do you see as the one dark horse team next year in the NBA? Dark horse team in the NBA you mean like like as far as like going far? Yeah, like maybe maybe for somebody that will raise eyebrows, like like maybe the Grizzlies did this year, uh, maybe didn't expect them to do as well. That that maybe even the Cavs, you just didn't see taking that leap. Maybe didn't have yeah. them to be that high. Who do you think causes a problem? Maybe more than any other that you didn't that you, you would take away from the main list. So this may sound crazy to a lot of people, but um, I think the Sacramento Kings may make the playoffs this year. I think so. Once they made the um, the Halliburton trade, which was questionable to a lot of people, De'Aaron Fox was averaging like 27, 28 points per game, and then they shut him down. And so you have him coming off of Sabonis, who they used him as more more of what he should be doing as a hub on offense, running offense through him. So you have De'Aaron Fox, you have Sabonis, you have um, Heat fan favorite. Um, Harrison Barnes being able to knock his shots down, play defense. Um, they got I, I always get confused. Devontae Mitchell, yeah, yeah. dog on defense. They have some solid talent on that team, and also Keegan Murray, who was a world beater in summer league, which doesn't necessarily mean much, but I think he has a skill set to contribute this year, so I think. The Kings, they may not be a playoff team, but pay but play in wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. Now again, I think the uh, you know when you've got when you look down the West, because a lot of people say about the East and how you know brutal it is, and they're right. But when you, you can sort of say the same about the West, you've only really got you know Houston, OKC, and probably Utah now that are not going to yeah. be competitive next year. It's going to go. The, the Timberwolves right. are going to be good. The Kings are going to be good. The, the Pelicans are going to be good. It's going to be a mm-hmm. tough conference. So, uh, yeah, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. I was going to actually going to swing with the Pelicans. I think they're going to cause some problems this year. I can yeah. see them um, taking a rise as long as they can stay healthy. But the Kings is a good one. Maybe not so much, though, when we take Harrison Barnes off their hands. <laughs> That was brilliant. Well, a great way to wrap up. And um, there we go. Half hour just flies through. Um, absolutely yeah. fantastic to have you on, Kenny. Please tell everyone where they can find you. And of course, all the work that Miami Heat beat do. I assume you're going to be back next year on the on the Hangover Time crew and yeah. doing all the things that you do, yeah? Yeah, I'm back. Everybody's back pretty much. Um, you can find us at Heat Beat. Um, after every, well, not every game. We have a little schedule change this year, but just... Um, subscribe to Miami Heat Beat on YouTube. Subscribe. Um, follow us all on Twitter. Um, my ad is on the video, but it's K E N N Y one six T E C H S. It's a little ridiculous. <laughs> I gotta be honest. This offseason, I'm bored. I'm tweeting some wild stuff, but you can ignore that. I'll be back to basketball mostly when the season starts back up. 
Yeah, and uh, nobody needs to know from from this, and everybody should know about it. But yeah, Miami Heat beat the content they put out. That that it is. I mean, we're spoiled as Heat fans. We know that we've got the best content. I believe. Um, I don't see anybody <laughs> rivaling it or league wise. But Miami Heat beat the stuff they do just for pure entertainment is second to none, and I can't wait for it to return. Um, so Kenny, great to have you on. Please go and follow him. Everybody, please subscribe to the Miami Heat UK TV. Um, YouTube channel as well please uh, great to have you on Kenny thanks so much for joining us we'll be back again uh, we'll be in the next week or so hopefully we'll have some news on something let's hopefully we'll be running out of things to talk about before Miami Heat basketball comes back but we'll be back soon I promise and uh, as I said subscribe to all we do follow us at the Miami Heat UK take it easy guys we'll see you soon You've been listening to Heating Up the UK. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to ensure you never miss a show. Also, go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by finding our page at the Miami Heat UK. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV, for our latest shows and fun content. That's your Miami Heat from across the pond. Covered. Thanks for listening.